Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, we are back here, the last hour of our of this week's uh, uh, Sound Off right here. I was just, uh, as we were away, Kenny, reading a little piece. This uh, ties into what we were talking about last hour about... Uh, whether there will be enough high-voltage lines, whether there will be enough electricity produced under uh, Biden's no uh, no use of uh, carbon fuels uh, to power everything that we need. Bill Gates, you know, the multi-billionaire, is saying that, uh, that we've got some issues that we've got to work on in this country. And one of them is the fact that there are not enough high-voltage power lines to save America as we know it. The best way to support a 40 to 60% increase in electricity demand is to build transmission lines. However, it's easier said than done. You know what happens when somebody goes to try to build a, a, a high-voltage transmission line, don't you? Well, Building a green energy future isn't as simple as plopping down wind and solar farms. Uh, that's certainly a good start. And if you got a lot of solar farms and wind farms, that's a good start to a greener environment. But you got to have the batteries to store the energy, especially when the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining. And the transmission lines to get that energy from point A to point B. While wind and solar projects continue to rapidly replace dirty energy sources and many companies are developing storage systems, whether gravity or iron air batteries or however they you know want to put it together, there's going to be more and more demand for these things in the future. But transmission lines continue to be a looming issue, and it's a problem one of the richest men in the world wants to help solve. Bill Gates said recently, since the beginning of the electric grid, power companies have placed most power lines close to cities. Gates writes in his blog called Gates Notes, that model doesn't work well with wind and solar because many of the best places to generate lots of electricity are far away from urban centers. So Gates goes one to explain that if the U.S. wants to reach its net zero carbon emission goal in 2050, the country is going to need an upgrade energy grid that can handle the estimated 40 to 60 percent increase in electrical demands because of the proliferation of electric vehicles. Not only electric vehicles, though, Northlanders, guess what else? electric stoves. Remember how we started hearing within the last couple of weeks? Oh, those gas stoves. Oh, they're killing us all. They're, you know, gas stoves happen to be the best way to cook. Uh, cooks that are uh, chefs in kitchens love gas stoves. But uh, more and more they're saying, oh, these gas stoves are inefficient. They don't burn well. They use too much electricity or too much uh, carbon products. So you, you're going to have to find another 40 to 60% electrical demand uh, to charge our vehicles, uh, use electric stoves, electric-powered appliances, and infrastructure. Uh, 
So anyway, the, it, it turns out that they're making them longer as well as they can reach dense population centers. Gates isn't the first person to realize that America's dire situation when it comes to transmission lines. By one estimate, the U.S. needs to triple its current transmission capabilities or capacity if it hopes to be carbon neutral in 30 years. And that's what all of our politicians keep telling us. Oh, we're going to, you know, walls, we're going to be without, we're not going to use carbon at all in Minnesota anymore by the year 2025, 2030. Gates notes in his blog that transmission infrastructure is largely a political problem, a planning, paying, and permitting, and that the innovation has its place whether design dynamic line ratings or power flow controls. However, building transmission lines is an absolute minefield of challenges that has stifled its expansion for decades. Why? Well, because you got the same problems uh, with anybody that wants to mine for, let's say, lithium or iron or any of those other things. They find protesters. They find uh, environmental uh, movements that are trying to block everything in these areas. That You've got a whole divisive mix of nimbyism, you know, not in my backyard, that kind of thing, in my backyard resistance, and you've got safety concerns. Also, uh, confrontations with wilderness preservation, alternative land use, strong property rights sentiment, a treaty rights for indigenous people, and all of those kinds of things. Gates doesn't, uh, doesn't outline exactly how he'll help tackle this transmission line shortfall, though his organization, Breakthrough Energy, has funded efforts to update the power grid. But it's clear he's gearing up for the fight. Climate change is the hardest problem humanity has ever faced. And we're going to have to face it head on, he said. But I believe we have the human ingenuity to solve it. And if, you're, if you care about the climate, uh, you should care about transmission lines. So, um, I, you know, I still think that we're going to have some big changes come down the line as we're starting to change over to more electric type of uh, vehicles and car uh, heating in our homes and cooking on our stoves. I think you're going to see uh, uh, so many changes in battery electric vehicles that uh, it, it, you know, what, what, what was it, Kenny, the guy said from... Uh, when he was on uh, Let the Sawdust Fly here a month or two ago, uh, the people from Peterbilt, or, they, or International, one of them, they said that there's going to be more changes in the next 10 years than we have had since the beginning of time when it comes to producing energy. And I think that's very true. Well, listen, we've got, uh, we've got somebody from over in Hawthorne, uh, Fred, and he wants to talk about this exact topic. So, Fred, good afternoon. Welcome to Sound Off. Hi, Brad. How you doing? Good. How are you? Too bad you don't have any snow down here. I hear LA is, LA is having some snow. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, you're talking about transmission lines and weather. And anyway, I heard uh, on your show 
uh, Coast to Coast, they have the Yale broadcast the other night. I think it was yes. Tuesday night or into Wednesday. They had a guest there. He's an expert on the solar uh, effects on the weather and uh, other things. He says right now there's peak peak amount of sunspots on the sun and peak solar flares. One big solar flare at the Earth wipes out everything electric. And so uh, we're too dependent on electric. The whole world is, except in undeveloped countries. And the other thing is, uh, in Australia, they're going to uh, fuel cells. And they're building uh, ore-carrying uh, trucks that are all electric, but they use fuel cells. And so that, that's another way to go, fuel cells. But well, the other thing e- explain, is, explain how that would work. I, I'm kind of lost at how that would work, Fred. What is it? What well, is they, it use, they, use, uh, they use hydrogen. They're making, they are making oh, okay. large amounts okay. of hydrogen. And okay. so that's how it works. And so it's kind of like diesel electric. They use a diesel generator to uh, drive, uh, sure. provide uh, sure. electricity for the, for the electric motors. So that, that's the way they're going. And, so, and the other thing about EVs, they have a large carbon footprint when you make them, much larger than internal combustion engine cars. And so the only thing, the big thing that you can do is you can find a fuel for internal combustion cars that has zero carbon footprint. They're actually better than EVs. And nobody even thinks about that. But I read one of my magazines, uh, this farmer, he, he, he had a diesel a power tractor, and he converted it to ammonia, and it worked. Ammonia has zero footprint, and ammonia is actually made from natural gas. One of the ways of doing it, or you could make it from hydrogen. So, you know, we have to look at fuels. You know, and the other thing about coal burning generators, they found out if you add gallium to it, zero carbon footprint. Actually, you produce carbon, which you can reuse and you know reburn it, and gallium oxide. Yes. the, yeah, the I've, I've heard, I've started issues. to read something about these galley boxes, but I, I'm not right. f- real familiar with them. I know it's a way of storing the energy, evidently. Yeah. Yeah, well, you have, you have to have, you have to have gallon with your coal, and then then, then you have gallon moxley instead of CO2. And, that, and I, I think I called it, I talked to Kenny when you were off and told him about that. Well, I got to tell you, Fred, there's so many things out there. I'm I'm reading a book right now that talks about a process called direct air capture uh, from combustible biomass. And uh, and this is uh, this is like fossil fuel. It's it's collected like the fossil fuel industry, but the scenario is totally different. There's no uh, CO2 charges. There's no. no carbon uh, that's uh, created up in the atmosphere or anything else, and they pr- they, they produce it in what they call an e cell or an energy cell. Um, we we seem to be kind of way behind. I, I think for a long time yeah, we we, we we just went on gas. Uh, you know, we thought that was going to live forever, and uh, now there are now everybody is racing to try to find other sources of energy. So. Yeah, it's the law that the uh, Minnesota's putting out about uh, EVs and stuff like that. They don't know what they're doing. Okay. They need to have engineers look, uh, write that law, not not politicians who know nothing about engineering. Because well, that's the the EV, whoa, right? whoa, just, whoa! Time out! Time out! Hang on! <laughs> just... Where is the button? <laughs>
Yeah, you just had a mouthful there. If we could get politicians to stop talking about it and get scientists to start talking about it, then we wouldn't have the problems we got. See, I, I think, uh, Fred, that we're right now we just don't have the capacity to store all the energy, even if we could create enough energy because of our battery limitations and things. But I know there are systems out there, these e-fuel cell systems and synthetic fuels uh, that we could, you know, we could operate on that uh, really are unlimited. But if, yeah, we just got to get the politicians out of the way and get uh, and get some uh, get some people educated that can make a difference. Anyway, Bill Gates is uh, one of them that wants to see power lines, new uh, high-speed power lines, high-voltage power lines. But nobody wants them near their home, you know, because they think they're, you know, there's too much power that travels through there that's lost out into the air. Maybe that'll make us sick. We hear that scenario coming down the pike. So, I don't know. It's we got a lot more to do. Anyway, we got to take a quick break here, folks. We're up against our first break, and we'll be back shortly. KDAL time is 127.10 in Superior right now. South wind at 3, so not much on the wind or the wind chill. 10 above in uh, Superior. Fair skies, 11 at the Army Corps. However, at the Army Corps, they're seeing a wind there out of the northwest at 10 miles an hour. That's nothing compared to what we've had, Kenny. That's very reasonable. It is. It is. So we've got uh, some sunny skies, some cold temperatures, and uh, there's a 30% chance of snow tonight in Superior. There's a 30% chance on the Iron Range. A greater chance as you get into northwest Wisconsin for some light snow tonight. And then Saturday, we're going to be partly sunny and breezy. Sunday will be sunny and nice, and then we're going to have another system move in here. So stay tuned, Brad. Winter's not over yet. Well, I'll tell you what we got, lots of winter, but we always have Margaret from Wood Magic to make us all feel better in our homes and to provide us with things that we want to keep in our homes forever. Uh, Margaret, Wood Magic uh, is a wonderful, wonderful place with over nine rooms of collectible items, but so much more because you're one of the few places still in the town that do kitchen, uh, what do you call it? Not remodeling, but it's uh, refacing, where you reface your cabinets, make them look new. That's right, where you put new doors, new drawer fronts, and uh, leave your cabinets in place if if that's the uh, way that you like them. But we, we also can add drawers. We can do a lot of different things. If you've got a blind corner, sometimes we can make it so that it's open corner instead of a blind one we can uh, you know the microwaves are bigger now refrigerators are bigger uh, sometimes oh, yeah. need to be replaced but we can do that everything will look the same when it's done so it's a wonderful thing but i do have a name today because you know we're still in our 40th year we've started oh, our 40th, yeah. you know we're in the 40th decade and so we are going to continue to draw someone's name every week for a 40% off a purchase. Not an item, but a purchase out of the store. And today it is Phyllis Pedersen. Phyllis Pedersen. And people have been so excited. They come in and, uh, you know, my hours have been kind of sporadic this winter. But by appointment is the best to make sure that I'm here. Sure. I am here today until 3 uh, 
729-7175, woodmagic.org, and uh, happy to have you come in. So just give us a call and let us know that you're coming, and we will be sure to be open for you. And remember, Brad, with this cold weather that we have, you know, we have these wonderful, wonderful warm socks, and uh, the people just love them. And so they're just, and even in the summertime, you know, sometimes your evenings are a little chilly or you get out on a lake and it's a little breezy in the evening. So, you know, you just might want to, and we've been known to even have a little fog and cool in the summer too. So people do enjoy the socks. They, if they get a pair, they're pretty soon coming back and getting some more. So we've got a good variety. And uh, like I say, we're open I'm trying to be open Monday through Friday from 11 to 3 and Saturday from 11 to 2, but I really appreciate a phone call first at 218-729-7175. We're located up at the corner of LaVake and Miller Trunk, 5105 Miller Trunk Highway. Look forward to seeing you. Thank you. Parking free right in front of the store. No meters, no nothing. Yeah, free parking. I got to tell you, though, Margaret, that uh, my dog, he likes socks. I wonder if I should stop up and get him a pair. He doesn't wear them. No, mind you. He likes to chew them. Does he enjoy your new curtains? Oh, absolutely, Brad. The curtains are in. Uh, Jan is, uh, she's one happy little camper. That's good. We're so happy that we could get them for her. Thank you. Thank the you, Margaret. The best curtains anywhere, Kenny. They yeah. really are. They're fantastic. We got them down here in Florida and up in Minnesota. Yeah. So, uh, again, They're back to good. Rebel. Rebel doesn't wear socks. He used to chew things, but he's, he's kind of past the chewing stage. Now he just likes to carry them in his mouth and carry them around and show oh. us, hey, look what I got. Look what I got. Yeah, I got this. Well, you're uh-huh. lucky. You're yeah. lucky he doesn't eat them. There are some dogs that will actually eat stuff like yeah, that, he's, and that becomes a major medical issue. It it can be, and he's not that kind of breed per se. He did used to chew them, but those days, thank goodness, are over. Now he just uh, you know parades them around to show that, hey, I got this, and you don't. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta tell you quickly, Kenny, and then I know we gotta go to CBS. So I took Nutmeg out this morning for her morning ritual, you know, hoping oh, yeah. I could convince yeah. her to go bathroom out in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Well, as I walked around to the backyard, you know, we're right on the 17th green of the golf cart, golf course here. Oh, up comes four ladies. It's it's a Friday morning female, uh, you know, golf golf league. And this one lady pulls up. I don't know where she knew Nutmeg from, but she said, oh, look, it's Nutmeg. And Nutmeg perked up right away, looked up, saw that somebody (laughs) knew her name. Nutmeg ran over, jumped into her golf cart with her. Wow. Got up on the seat, started licking her face. Hey, that's what he does with the UPS guy. Yeah, there you go. That's what it is. the same thing. Wow. You just know, cannot get away from them. I, I got to tell you, Brad, that uh, I, I'm going to get a little nostalgic with you here and your listeners. It was nine years ago today I started working at WDSM. Was it that long? Nine years Holy ago. Cow, Kenny. Now, it was 10 years ago that I started working at Midwest Communications. I was on the KDAL side where I am now, but... I was over here, and I remember looking through the glass, because as you know, you can look through the glass and see into the sure. WDSM studio. 
It yep. separates uh, KDAL as well. It's the newsroom, and then KDAL stu- WDSM studio. And I remember looking over there, and Walt Alpin was your or Applin. Yes, Walt Applin was, was your producer. Applin. Yep. And I remember standing here, and I, I was a producer here, but it was different than what you guys were doing. And one day, the then uh, one of the directors here said, "Hey, uh, Walt's leaving. Would you like to?" You know, be a producer on on WDSM with Brad and Neil. I said, yeah, I'd love to. So I got the gig. Yeah, and you and I, you and I had had a little history before that. You, uh, yes, of course, had a had a uh, an internet show uh, on public television. access. Public access. Public access show. The the other what was the it called? Average. The other guy. The no, average. The average guy. Yeah. Average guy. And uh, I had been on that show a couple times. In fact, we were on West Duluth one time in the, uh, one of the bars out there. Had a great time. Yeah. So I was glad to hear that you were available because well, Walt was a great guy. But he was. Walt had so many outside things going on. Yeah. He just couldn't yeah. stay functioning. I so. got to tell you, though. I got to tell you. So I'm in there with Walt, and I just kind of, you know, shadowed him and watched what he did. And he didn't yeah. talk much. Well, no, I, he was a pretty low-key guy. I, I went to Dave, and I said to Dave, I said, Dave, I said, I can't be in there and not talk. He said, well, go ahead and talk. He goes, that's just Walt's style. Walt doesn't say much. Yeah. I said, oh, okay. Because <laughs> so, I was there for a week and nothing. Not, so anyways, uh, nine years ago, Brad, wow. Yeah, that's amazing that it was like that, that long. I I look uh, at how long I've been doing this show. It's amazing, Kenny. This is like twenty eight years. It, and 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 it it all started just happenstance. One hour a week is the way it started. It was just crazy. But anyway, we've got to get well, to, to our the break cake? here. I should we should have a cake here with nine candles on it. Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe nine conies or something. There you go. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be right back, folks. KDAL. This is KDAL AM 610 and FM 103.9. KDAL time, 140. That's ACDC, in case you were wondering. Love it. 11. At the Army Corps of Engineer, 11 degrees. The low there this morning dipped down to minus 2. Well, you know, Kenny, with all the problems we have in the world, uh, our economy is uh, is really struggling right now. In fact, we're, uh, we're up against a, uh, a, a debt ceiling raise that we either have to make or we're not going to be able to make our payments and and keep ourselves up to date. Uh, but with all that, and of course, uh, we we know there's an ongoing war between Russia and the Ukraine. Today, I'm reading this story. Of course, we all know that uh, the, Israel has had uh, on-again, off-again love affair with Netanyahu. He's probably been the longest-serving prime, prime minister and uh, whatever else you want to call him. He's gone through a number of different positions with Israel, but this morning he came out and said this, Israel will prepare for a possible strike against Iran's nuclear facilities after a series of secret meetings 
between the prime minister and leaders from the defense and intelligence ministers, according to leaked reports. It's always the leaked reports that get you, you know. Israel will not allow Iran to become nuclear. Now, why would that be? Why do you suppose that would be? Well, Iran has been on record numerous times, more than 10, (laughs) probably 100, and saying, you know, Israel needs to be wiped off the face of the earth. We need to get rid we need to find a way to get rid of Israel. They've tried, they've had wars with Israel, but Israel always stands up strong against uh, whatever country it is over there that tries to take them over. But right now they're very concerned with Iran because the Iran has been able to uh get its grading system of nuclear fusion up to 80-some percent. And if it gets to 90, that's where they start developing a uh, nuclear weapon. And they Israel knows that that's Iran's outcome here. So as we are witnessing the continued unhindered progress of Iran's nuclear program with weapon-grade enrichment, Israel is readying its credible military options. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu held five meetings with his defense and intelligence chiefs, as well as the head of Mossad, that's their secret secret service, to discuss the possible attack. Local news outlet Channel, Channel 12 reported. The report did not name any sources, and the Times of the Israeli the Times of Israel speculated that officials could have leaked the report in order to make clear the country's resolve and intent. In other words, this may not just have been leaked information. Israel may have leaked it on their own so that Iran would know full well that they intend to act and act to take them out. Tensions between Israel and Iran have flared in recent weeks after a drone strike hit Iranian military facilities with Tehran saying early investigations suggest that Israel was responsible for this attempted act of aggression. Uh, I don't believe that for a minute. The only thing that has ever stopped rogue nations from developing nuclear weapons is a credible military threat or a credible military action, Netanyahu said at a National Securities Conference on Tuesday. The longer we wait, and that's why I think you're going to see something happen very soon here. Netanyahu said, the longer we wait, the harder that becomes. We've waited very long up till now, and we cannot allow Iran to get a nuclear uh, bomb because they've made it very, very clear that they will use it against Israel. The Biden administration had attempted to receive or revive, I should say, the joint comprehensive plan of action, but Israel never believed that that was a good plan in the first place. And a lot of American analysts that analyzed it as well said the same thing, that it was just not a very dependable plan, would not have kept uh, Israel safe. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said that Iran has moved away from extraneous demands, demands unrelated to the uh, JPAC itself, 
but at that at times talks has gotten have gone backwards and the US admitted that they would not meet our bottom line requirements uh, avia made clear <clears throat> that a nuclear iran will not uh, will not be a threat to israel alone but would destabilize the entire mid-east and challenges the us dominated world order so uh this Avia said, "Look, we've got to uh, we've got to take Iran out if they have the capability to develop a nuclear weapon, because Iran is an unstable regime and they will use it however they find likely." Uh, so they're saying that uh, Israel is looking at a number of ambitious opportunities right now, a number of possibilities for strikes. They've done that before. Uh, they they took Israel's uh, uh, facilities out once before already when they were starting to get their uh, fusion program up to fairly high levels. So don't think it won't happen again. So we've got that <clears throat> on top of already a raging war. Well, look, folks, we've got to take our Minnesota news break. I, I'm questioning, Kenny, do we have taps? I know we're going to do taps, but I don't think we have any names this week, do we? Yeah, second week in a row. I have no names uh, for taps. Well, that's okay. That means these guys are not dying off, guys and gals, and that's yeah, that's good. You know, and I know a lot of people <laughs> look forward to that, and maybe they've got uh, somebody they want to remember, and that's fine, so we'll play them. There you go. There you go. So if you know somebody and you want to uh, make sure that we play taps in their honor, and they've recently passed away. Uh, feel free to give Kenny a call at 722-0839 and let him know the name and a little bit of background, and uh, we'll, we'll give him some uh, some honor and respect. So we'll be right back. KDAL time, 152, 10 above, sunshine here in the Twin Ports, light winds. As a matter of fact, uh, calm winds in some cases, Brad. And Brad, we got an email from our friend, our listener on the Iron Range, one of our listeners on the Iron Range, not the listener, Corey. Yeah. Corey from the Range sent me a note. Uh, two Tennessee Guard pilots killed in a Black Hawk helicopter crash were identified, and this just happened uh, this week. The Tennessee oh. National Guard named the two pilots who died in a Black Hawk helicopter crash in Madison County, Alabama, near the Tennessee state line uh, this past sure. week. Daniel Wadham, 39, and Danny Randolph, 40, were killed during a training flight the Tennessee National Guard claimed in a statement. Uh, both of them held the rank Chief Warrant Officer 3 and had served for 15 and 13 years respectively. Wow. So we'll remember Danny, I'm sorry, Daniel and Danny, uh, National Guard uh, from Tennessee. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, we're going to end the show today with taps as we always do, but I'm going to end it with a little statistical information for you here on this war in the Ukraine, r between Russia and the Ukraine. This is a massive, massive big deal, and we don't really pay much attention to the casualties, but there's estimates out this morning. I got a story here that says Ukraine needs to find a way to come to peace, uh, to, to uh, set up a peace treaty or something, get this over with, because 
There's just so much advantage that Russia has. Yes, Russia is using conscripts. Uh, many Russian soldiers are poorly trained conscripts suffering from low morale. But you know what? The same thing with uh, Ukrainians. A lot of them have not had a military experience until just recently. I read a story the other day said the average Ukrainian that goes to the front lines has an average lifespan of four hours. Four hours. They estimate right now, best estimates, put Russian casualties at 180 to 188,000 dead, while Ukrainians have over 100,000 dead. And think about that. That's one year. As for most wars, the ratio of killed to wounded is about one in one to three. So Russia can afford can't can afford those losses a lot more than the Ukrainians. So far, the invaders have killed at least seven thousand one hundred ninety nine civilians and wounded eleven thousand seven hundred fifty six civilians. Many of them deliberately. Ukraine has suffered widespread physical destruction estimated at $138 billion, mostly residential buildings, infrastructure, uh, Russia's delivery target. Russia, on the other hand, has virtually no civilian casualties or property damage. So Russia is in a much better position uh, than the Ukraine here for a long-term operation. If you look at just the populations, Russia's population is about 146 million. Ukrainians, 1,330,000. Or I'm sorry, the Ukrainians, 43,053,000. So quite a bit less than half of what Russia is. And they've got 500,000 troops under uniform where uh, Russia has a thousand or a million three hundred and thirty thousand, so they can substantiate or or suffer uh, more casualties uh, than Ukraine. Ukraine cannot go on suffering these kind of losses. So we will uh, keep an eye on this as we go along. But in the meantime, folks, we're very close. Uh, we have to uh, take our break and do our taps, as we always do on a Friday. And we do that to honor the men and women that wear the uniform. So, Bradley, so, today uh, is Friday Fish Friday. Oh, yeah. It coincides with Tartar Sauce Day. <laughs> <laughs> it's also National Tortilla Chip Day. Oh, tortilla geez. Chip Day is today. and uh, Oh, and World Bartender Day. How's that, huh? Well, there you go. So yeah. if you're going to go out somewhere tonight, take uh, you know, say thank you to a good bartender. And they all, they, I know they always got a good fish, fish fry going on at the VFW, and they're going to be moving oh, very soon. So I see. That's all good, too. Well, my wife, Jan, uh, she sent me some pictures. She shoveled the driveway and the sidewalk. I said, geez, now i got to pay you 20 bucks. I paid the kid 20 bucks. And, <laughs> no, she did a real good job. She sent me a... Uh, she sent me a... Uh, couple of pictures of the work she did there so she's I taking appreciate work that. away from your guy kenny you got <gasps> a guy yeah. now yeah that's okay but uh okay brad let's do this and uh we'll do it again on uh we'll do it again on monday you got huh? it we'll do it again on monday everybody have a great weekend please <laughs>